Great. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Jefferies 2021 Global uh, Healthcare Conference. I'm Brandon Couliard. I cover the life science tools and diagnostics sector here at the firm. Uh, very pleased to have Ginkgo Bioworks with us at the conference uh, this year. The company just announced um, the becoming public through a SPAC transaction, which is expected to close in the third quarter. Certainly. Uh, one of the most exciting uh, stories in the in the broader sin bio space. Here to tell us a little bit more about uh, everything that they're working on, Anna Marie Wagner, SVP of Corporate Development. Turn it over to you, Anna. Thanks so much, Brandon. And uh, one of my favorite things about the fact that we are becoming a public company is I now get to do forward-looking statements. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and start with that. Um, We'll obviously be making um, some forward-looking statements today. Uh, those involve risks and uncertainties. Uh, we did file our Form S-4 with the, uh, with the SEC, so I would refer you to uh, the Form S-4 for more information about uh, those risks and uncertainties. Um, we'll also be referring to some non-GAAP financial measures, um, including foundry billable revenue, net present value, and adjusted EBITDA um, that we use when we measure our financial performance. Um, and a reconciliation of those uh, is available as well where it's available uh, in the S-4. So, Refer you to that. It's uh, it's with the SEC uh, under Soaring Eagle. Uh, so, look, we always start everything with our mission. Our mission is to make biology easier to engineer, and and what that means is, you know, it really comes from this philosophy that our, our founders have had, and in particular, Tom Knight. There's a photo here from uh, the 70s. Uh, Tom is the guy on the left with the beard uh, with his master's thesis. He comes from uh, the computer industry and, and and lived through decades of building. The, the infrastructure that made computers easier to engineer and recognized in the early 90s, he had sort of gotten bored with computer programming at this time and recognized that biology in the same way that computers run on digital code, biology ran on digital code. It just happens to be A, C, T, and G instead of zeros and ones. And so to his great credit makes a you know, sort of midlife career switch from computers into biology and really wanted to apply those same engineering uh, that same engineering mindset that he'd applied to the computing industry over the past several decades uh, to biology, uh, which at, you know at, at that point and, and frankly still today, it, it largely had been a craft a craft art. Um, so our founders met uh, in in Tom's you know in Tom's lab uh, and one of his colleagues' labs at, at MIT in the early 2000s. Uh, they've been working together for for just about 20 years now uh, on this mission. Um, one of the things that gets us most excited. Uh, today is that cell programming really for the first time, uh, you know, has has become very widely understood. Uh, you know, the the, the power uh, the, the, of biology has has never been more apparent. Uh, you know, coronavirus has has largely shut down the world for uh, well over a year now. But at the same time, biotechnologies and, and in particular, you know, biological vaccines, mRNA vaccines. Uh, is what's helping us uh, overcome this this pandemic, and so the awareness of the role of cell programming in our lives, in our security, in our health, um, ha has never been more more apparent. You know, we, you know, Jason, our CEO, was on was on 60 Minutes just a month or two ago, which you know gives you a sense of just how mainstream this this technology is starting to become, which is really exciting for for us to see as as we uh, try to bring this concept to the masses. Um, but we're of course excited about the much broader uh, set of potential applications. You know, biology makes stuff. <laughs> it, it, you know, whereas computers move atoms around, they communicate information. Biology is is the core building block of everything everything in our lives. You know, obviously our our bodies, but also our food, uh, the the raw materials for our buildings. 
Uh, and you know, it, it, it is the uh, it, it is the architect of kind of the key building blocks of everything everything around us. And so, when, while most people, and we're obviously at a healthcare conference right now, most people think about synthetic biology as uh, you know a therapeutic application, a healthcare application. Um, that, that's obviously one really important and really exciting application for, for biotechnology and for synthetic biology, but we get really excited about the much broader set of application areas for it and the potential for biology to really address uh, you know, our, our biggest challenges in the world, in the world today. Um, so, so there are a few things that I, that I really want to land today. I know we, we only have a short time together and um, you know, would refer you to, we've got, we've got many more presentations um, and, you know, podcasts and all sorts of things on the website, refer you to those to get a deeper sense of, of Ginkgo. Um, but there's just a few things that I really want to land. The first is, you know, that we are, we are this horizontal platform. I, I mentioned all these different industries that we serve, and, and that's really unique in biotechnology. It, it's very easily recognizable in the computer technology industry, but, but novel here. Um, and, and so this, this chart here really shows how we think about the organization of, of this, this kind of emerging synthetic biology space. We have great technology companies, these are folks like Twist and Thermo and PacBio and Illumina who are making the, the tools, the machines, um, the underlying technologies that are solving some of the, the core capabilities needed for cell programming, things like DNA synthesis and DNA sequencing. And then at the top of the page, we show the, what we call the program layer, the applications. So these are the actual products that are being made using synthetic biology as a technology. Um, so we show here some of the companies that we've worked with over the past several years. Um, but this is a, you know, a much broader space across a, a range of applications. Now, historically, what happened was this platform layer that Ginkgo is building didn't exist. And so all of the application companies had to vertically integrate, had to build their own labs, had to hire their own scientists. You had to be a biologist to know how to program biology in the same way that 60 years ago, you had to be an electrical engineer to know how to program computers. Obviously, we've built the layers of abstraction and computing so that lay people, you know, my four-year-old even, can program computers. What, what Ginkgo is trying to do is build that infrastructure in the middle to help abstract away from the underlying technologies to help innovators access that technology more easily to accelerate the pace of innovation in this industry and enable more and more applications um, and really help everyone benefit from the shared learning across these applications um, on our platform. So, so Ginkgo is really taking, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of breaking down the industry and adding this, this platform layer to enable more applications to, to develop cost-effectively. All right, so one of the most common questions that I get is, well, what is it that Ginkgo actually does? Uh, and so I'm going to spend just a second on this page, um, which, which helps explain that. But basically, a customer comes to us, uh, and, and they give us a spec. Now, for some of our customers, they're really sophisticated. They've got their own R&D teams. Um, you know, they, they have ideas of how the biology is going to work, and will partner very closely with their scientists to have a kind of joint research development plan. Some of our customers have no biotech ex expertise whatsoever, but they have an idea of what they want a product to be, what they want to make, what the characteristics of that would be. And so we'll meet the customer where they are, and we'll develop what's called a technical development plan around that pro project to enable the production of whatever product, whether it's a, a molecule, a small molecule, or a, a protein, or, or, a, or a series of proteins, um, uh, to enable their product of interest. When, once we've developed that technical development plan, we then execute the work. And we execute that work on our platform, which includes two key components. 
Uh, one is what we call the foundry. It's basically a really big wet lab, it, it, but it benefits from advanced automation and robotics and, uh, and, and software, proprietary software that we've built to help uh, drive those workflows through the platform. And then all of that work leverages the second asset, which we call our code base, which is the sort of cumulative learning of everything that we've done over the past 12 years on the platform and everything we'll do going forward. And it includes biological tools. It includes genetic code that we can reuse, you know, really good enzymes, really good starting places. Um, and then it includes organisms that we've highly engineered to be really efficient at certain tasks, making proteins, for example. Um, and, and so we use those two assets to develop uh, develop sort of production hosts, production methods for the products of interest for our customers. And then what comes out is what we call a cell program. And that is a, 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 a cell that produces the material that our customer is interested in and then the methods for production so that our customer can then take that to go manufacture it and, and produce and, and commercialize their product. And what we really focus on is everything everything that's shown in the middle middle here. Um, we've now done that in, in over uh, for over 70 major programs um, across a diverse set of, of end markets. Um, you know, we sort of went at, went at these markets in reverse order of, of sophistication in some ways, where we started in areas that didn't have any biotech capability um, and where we were really uh, their only way to, to access biotechnology in their industry, places like flavors and fragrances or, or you know, petrochemicals, things like that. And then we've moved into more and more sophisticated markets that have have real biotech expertise in-house, but still see the value of leveraging our scale and our code base in order to bring their products to market faster or with a higher probability of success. Um, and again, we've, we've worked across across markets with um, both very large market-leading customers. And these are, these are companies that have uh, ha have very large, highly sophisticated in-house teams that do biotechnology, but still see the value in partnering with Ginkgo, um, to small startups who are able to forego the investments in uh, in kind of the fixed infrastructure of a lab and in a team and really focus their resources on the things they're particularly good at, product development, formulation, branding, marketing, things like that, while leveraging our expertise to help get them product to actually go sell faster. Um, so just as a to, to wrap up the uh, the sort of what do we do? I'll give you a quick case study or example here. Um, this is one of our customers, Motif Foodworks. Uh, they are making uh, animal-free proteins, so think dairy, egg, meat, things like that. How do you make uh, you know cheese stretch the right way and meat taste meaty um, and egg? Uh, coagulate in the right way when it's cut. You know, how do you how do you utilize and access those proteins without the animal? That's Motif's mission. Um, and so here, you know, th this just shows the, the, a pathway of a program with us. You know, we did everything from identifying potential pro proteins for this project, uh, screening those proteins to see which we're going to be which we're going to perform the best for Motif, and then. Uh, and then engineering the actual pathway so that in this case, a yeast cell produced that protein at very high levels. Um, and then iterating on that to optimize the production for them so that they could go bring uh, that product cost effectively to market. Um, and so within, uh, you know, within just under two years, they had product that they could go test with customers um, in, in order to bring, bring uh, new innovation to this space, which is an incredibly uh, rapid uh, turnaround uh, process in, in this industry. Um, so then, so then, how how big is this market? There, there are a couple of things that I just want to want to land here. Um, we've we've sort of shown you how we work in the market. Um, there, there are really two 
two uh, pockets of demand that we are tapping into. One is the existing market for the actual R&D work. So uh, we make money in two ways. One is that our customers pay us for uh, the work that they're doing on the platform for that sort of design, build, test cycle that they're doing. Um, and we estimate that that's about a $40 billion market today. Um, and it's just uh, segregated into small labs all around the country and, and a few large companies, but uh, really very siloed into their pockets. And so, uh, one of the one of our uh, you know, one aspect of our business model is tapping into this very large market for existing R and D. But then the much larger, more exciting opportunity is for us to tap into the value of the products that are being enabled by the platform. Um, and, and if the you know forty billion dollar market is the investment that is being investments that are being made to develop products, um, it, it holds that the, the market for those products is obviously much larger than that to justify that investment. Um, and, and here we reference the McKinsey study that would would estimate that there's a two to four trillion dollar TAM. Uh, for bioengineered products, and, and again across a range of industries, you know, healthcare is an, an important piece of this, um, and, and is you know has been one of the earliest adopters of biotechnology. Uh, but but across the gamut from food and agriculture to our building products, we'll be seeing biotechnology gain share. Um, and, and so the second element of Finco's business model is that we take a share with our customers of those end products um, because we are we are uniquely able to uh, enable them to make those products. We are able to participate in the downstream value of those products. All right, so that's just a little bit on, on what we do in the market that we're playing in. Um, you know, the second uh, second uh, thing I sort of want to land with you is, is how do we do it, um, and, and why are we well positioned to uh, continue to be the sort of the platform of choice in this space? Um, so, so I mentioned the you know the founder and the code base. I'm just going to spend a little bit more time diving into what each of those are. Um, this just gives you a little tour through the foundry. We, we constantly iterate and improve on our foundry technology and our footprint. So. Uh, you know, this shows you the last, you know, call it eight or nine years of development in the foundry where we've just added increasing levels uh, of automation and sophisticated um, tools and workflows in our foundry. And what that's led to is an exponential scaling in our capacity. So this is a really interesting and important internal metric for us. We call it Knight's Law after, after Tom Knight. It's a, sort of an homage to Moore's Law. But on the right-hand side here, this is the output of the platform. And what we see is that you know, the, the platform, you know, sort of during normal years has tripled to quadrupled its capacity every year. Obviously, during COVID, we, we shut down the platform for several months under, um, uh, you know, kind of the, the state state shutdown. But um, we've been we've been exponentially increasing that capacity. And it's, it's through a range of technologies. It's through uh, increasing automation, increasing the throughput, uh, miniaturizing reagent volumes so that we can, um, you know, uh, use less reagent and increase the throughput of these reactions. Um, and obviously, yes, expanding our, our, our footprint as well. Um, but this is a really important metric. Now, one way we could have driven that capacity is we could have tripled to quadrupled our footprint every year, or our cost every year. Um, what's important is to recognize that's not what we did. And what we've instead seen is a, is a scale economic. So every year as we've, as we've tripled to quadrupled the capacity, we've also seen a halving of unit costs as we have as we've done that work. And that's really important because it means as we continue to scale the foundry and we continue to increase utilization, reduce reagent volumes, improve our technology, uh, we, we continue to improve uh, the cost profile of, of, the, of the work that's being done on the platform. And that compares to a to a sort of status quo or an alternative that is largely remaining constant because the way that biotechnology research is done today primarily is a person at a lab bench 
pipetting things with their two hands. Every now and then they might use a, you know, a, a, a small robotic system, but, but it's, it's a very manual process today. And so it doesn't improve with scale. If you want to do twice the amount of work, you want twice the number of scientists takes or it takes you twice as long. Um, at, at Ginkgo, we don't have to make that trade-off. We're able to increase our, increase our scale uh, while decreasing the unit costs as we go forward. And all of our customers, therefore, benefit from that scale and from the fact that we are, we are making our platform available to others they, each of our customers benefits from that, which is important. So that's the foundry. It's really about scale economics. Um, the second asset is our code base. Again, this, is, uh, this, is, this includes a, a range of assets from organisms to raw genetic code to actual biological tools. Um, and, and we get that code base from a couple places. One is, you know, we, we certainly have benefited from the fact that there, you know, there are 4 billion years of evolution that have created a lot of really interesting tools that we can, we can study and learn from out in the wild. Um, but a really important source of code base for Ginkgo is, is the engineered code base. It's what we learn when we do an engineering project um, or what we develop when we do one of those projects. And importantly, our ability to then reuse that work. So this is a, a quick little example. Um, again, with Motif, I, I showed you that case study earlier. We were engineering yeast to make proteins really effectively. Uh, we are, we're working with a new company now in the personal care space that also wants to make proteins. Um, and in this case, you know, things like collagen or keratin for hair care and skin care. And, and we'll be able to use that same yeast as a starting point, which we already know produces proteins really well and has been engineered to produce proteins well. So that has the potential to shave a lot of time off the development cycle for that company and is now a major, major asset for the company. Um, so what you're probably picking up on now, and this is really the, the crux of uh, the crux of Ginkgo's platform, is that there's a virtuous cycle here. As the platform scales, we see those foundry economics improve, but also we generate food base, which makes which which improves the direction of our experiments in the first place, um, and, and therefore improves the probability of technical success. And, and all of those things lead to a really strong customer value proposition which not only drives our growth, but also allows us to participate in the downstream economics of the programs that we're creating. All right, um, so, so just wanna do a, a, a quick dive here on, um, on what we're building. Um, so we are, we are um, uh, you know, over the past several years, we've really been in the mode of proving the platform, um, proving the business model, establishing some really nice, nice proof points. And as we come out of this stock transaction, we're really focused now on, on scaling that. And so um, you know, we're expecting and projecting to be able to scale up to 500 new programs being added to the platform every year in, in 2025. And then that compares to, you know, on the order of 20 new programs that we've been adding, um, you know, this year and last year. Um, and, and so where, where is all that growth coming from? Uh, one element of it is growth within existing customers. And so this is a, a very, um, a very sticky business. Um, you know, we provide, we, we provide a very high value proposition to our customers. And so we're able to grow with them over time as they scale. Um, and as we land new customers, particularly customers with very large in internal R&D budgets, we have the opportunity to really deepen our penetration with those customers. Another element of it is just the proof points that we've established within new categories. Um, so as an example, last year, we worked for the first time ever in nucleic acid therapies, um, and it was publicly announced that we were working with Moderna to help um, improve the production of one of their key raw ingredients to make the, the COVID vaccine. That has been subsequently led to 
uh, you know, additional programs in the nucleic acid therapeutics space, as well as um, in some of the key uh, processing enzymes for those uh, for those uh, uh, nucleic acid vaccines. Um, so it's kind of created a whole new market segment for us just by virtue of having that proof point. So as we diversify, it, it allows us to grow more quickly in those spaces. Um, we've seen really strong momentum just in 2021, um, signing uh, you know, large new collaborations with Corteva and, and Biogen, leaders in their field. Um, another one that hasn't been publicly announced, um, a, a leader in its field um, in the flavors and fragrances space, um, and then and also launching uh, new, working with new companies that are being launched, um, such as this spin out in the, the personal care space. Um, what we'll see is that the, it, it will likely mix a little bit more towards healthcare and pharma in the near term as we sort of gain our fair share in that space. It's the, the most recent end market that we've uh, that we've entered into. And so we'll be uh we'll be you'll see some faster growth in that segment uh, versus others, but you will continue to see Ginkgo have a broad horizontal strategy um, and serving uh, serving many different end markets. Um, one of the other ways that we drive this is just we're building a real ecosystem here. And so we're seen as a as a real partner to our customers um, and, and not just a service provider. And, and we've, we've taken you know, kind of a, a book out of the playbooks of uh, some of the large horizontal technology platforms in the importance of really building this community and this ecosystem. And that has a number of different elements to it from not just the R&D work that we're doing to them, but also helping them get access to capital, manufacturing capability, helping them with regulatory work, building that community, introducing them to potential partners, um, and really helping set the stage for this industry as a whole, um, building trust and credibility around it as well. Um, so this is a really important element of our, of our growth story. All right, and I'll just end quickly with um, with a quick review of our business model. So again, just as a reminder, we went over this earlier, but we make money in two ways. The first is what we call foundry revenue. It's predictable kind of service-based re revenue that is paid upfront for the performance of a, pro of, a, of a program. And then we also participate in the downstream value of the program. We're very flexible in how that's structured. It can be in the form of equity. It can be in the form of royalties or milestones. Um, but uh, but we, um, we do focus on ensuring that we're participating in that downstream value and aligning our interests with our customers. Um, what's really important is that we've, we've seen real value in both of these places. So um, as the platform matured, we demonstrated on the foundry side of the business our ability to fully cover the costs of doing the program uh, on the foundry. So five years ago, you know, Ginkgo was unproven. Uh, we we were we we were effectively subsidizing the the, the platform, um, and, and over time, as the platform has um, become become just frankly better, um, and as we've drawn a fit, driven efficiency in the foundry, we've been able to, um, to to demonstrate sort of the unit economics on just the foundry side of the business. But it's important to recognize that the downstream component is incremental to that. And so, as we look at the combined unit economics of these businesses, we effectively have a sort of moderate margin foundry business with an incremental downstream uh, downstream value capture um, that yields a sort of a mature business that has very attractive uh, very attractive margins over time. Um, so just very quickly looking at how this matures over time, um, those 500 new programs over time uh, yield a business on the foundry side that is kind of scaling up to about a billion dollars in 2025. Um, and then each of those programs has then the potential for that downstream value, which again, we, we estimated about $15 million on a net present value the day it's signed. And so, so that's how we think about uh, you know, the value of the company here where you have the boundary business is 
kind of a traditional life science tools company. And then you've got this downstream, accumulating downstream value uh, that that will be recognized over time. Uh, I'll also mention we have we have a biosecurity business that has taken off quite nicely, um, which we're not providing a, a guidance around yet or, or a long-term forecast around, but we are expecting we'll do about $50 million of, uh, of revenue this year, as well as some ancillary um, programs that we launched during COVID that have some near-term potential that's not being projected. Um, so I'll wrap up there. Um, there are a couple of slides here just about the transaction with Soaring Eagle. Um, we're thrilled to partner with them, thrilled to be adding Ari and Harry to the board um, and really helping accelerate our uh, our entry into, into biotech. Um, but with that, I will I will end. I think we're, we're running a little bit late here. So um, I'll wrap it up. And if we have a minute or two, we, uh, we can take some questions. Great. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Anna Marie Wagner, thanks so much for being here and giving us uh, that overview. Look forward to you being a public company and uh, having a chance to interact again. Uh, thank you uh, again for being here and everyone on the line for joining us. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Brandon.